We've been in the book of Colossians. Paul is writing a letter, but it really is the words of Jesus to this church that was in this town called Colossae. And over and over, as Paul begins these letters, he he goes and talks about Jesus. And we're talking in these few verses specifically, first, uh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We're talking about Jesus, just who he is. We're calling it Jesus 101 at this point. Just the basic things that are needed to know about Jesus. Some of you may already know these things. We joked last week about if you already know them, then you're going to go through them again. You'll get to Jesus 201 and then Jesus 301 and Jesus 401. We just keep growing deeper in the knowledge of these things, just like you at your job. You know that thing, but people then come to you because you know that so well. You'll get to teach people things about Jesus, and that will become also critical in your life as you get into harder and more critical situations when suddenly the flood of knowledge of jesus comes in and and works on your behalf in those moments that it wouldn't suddenly be a fleeting knowledge but it'd be present in your heart that's why we need to to know jesus but the question often comes up well why do we have to know so much about jesus why is it so critical why should we know more about jesus and i'll give you two reasons one, the scripture says clearly that you and I are in sin and we're headed to death. That's a bad thing. That's a problem that every human being is faced with. The moment you are born, you begin to die because of sin. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is this. Satan and company are doing everything that they can to get you to death as fast as they can. Satan and his dominions are trying with all of their effort to as quickly as possible get you to turn away from Jesus. They know he's the truth. They know he's God. The demons would look at Jesus and say, we know who you are, son of the most high God. They're doing everything they get. They can to get you to not know who he is and instead drag you away towards death. Satan's aim is to steal, to kill and destroy Jesus says in John chapter 10. And so we are not only faced with sin and death, we are faced against Satan and demons and all of his system and dominion against us. Those are powerful enemies. In fact, in Ephesians, which is a sister book, and this is where I want to begin, is actually in Ephesians chapter 6, a sister book of, of Colossians written to the church at Ephesus. It says this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You and I go to jobs and we have to mow the lawn and, you know, we have we have all these things that are happening in the physical world. But your wrestle isn't against people. It's not just against what's going on in your body. Ephesians said that your wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces in the cosmic places, authorities, rulers, principalities that you cannot even see. Some people don't want to even admit that they're there. I don't believe in a devil. I don't believe in demons. No, they're there. And your wrestle is is against them. And it's not just like the little devil that's on the cartoon shoulders where you can just brush them away. It is the devil. The scripture says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That is you if he can. 
So you're not only faced with sin and death, you have Satan and company who are pressing hard against you. They wish to steal you, to kill you, and destroy you. I don't know about you, but I got a beast that's after me. I want to find out where I should go. In fact, we ask this question sometimes to our kids. We ask them this, this question. We say, if a bear is chasing you, a big, huge, fierce bear, would you rather climb up a tree or go into a church? Which would you choose? How many of you would climb up a tree? Bears can climb trees. How many of you would run into a church? All right. You'd go into church with a bear behind? Yeah, I got you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that took a minute. We, we joke about that. A bear's chasing you. Yeah, I go into church. Let me tell you something. Being inside a building cannot save you from a bear or Satan. Okay. There is no app on your smartphone that's the, the Satan defense app. You can't download it from a store and just be like, oh, Satan's here. Beep. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, crap, what do I have this phone for? Let me tell you, Satan's probably helping you put apps on your phone to work against you. Sometimes we call things blessings, which I think are actually temptations. Wasn't it Jesus who was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness? And it wasn't Satan taking away things from Jesus. It was Satan putting things in front of Jesus. Here's stones, make them into bread to eat. Here's kingdoms, I'll give them to you if you bow down to me. Here's, if you would just throw yourself off, angels will rescue you, angels will come to your place. It was Satan actually helping. So what's going to rescue you from the sly, cunning, harmful schemes of the devil? What are you going to run to now knowing that your wrestle is against this this beastly, powerful, physically unseeable foe. And that's where Colossians comes in. It's like, you better know Jesus. This isn't just information. It's good to know who Jesus is. So now let's go to Colossians. Now that you have that background, that you have an enemy who's out to destroy you, let's go look at Jesus, the one who is determined to save you. We have seen so far that he takes those whom he saved. He has, by his forgiveness and redemption, they are qualified. You are qualified to live in the kingdom of God as a holy, righteous person. And we looked last week about how Jesus was talked about as he is very God and very man. He was fully God and fully man so that he could help us in the fullest way. And we come to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For by him, this is Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus not only was fully God, fully man, come to save us, but when it comes down to, well, how did things come to be? You know, the world would have you think, and universities would have you think, and textbooks would have you think, and the news would have you think, that at some point there was just some cosmic bang. And then everything just was, or it began to randomly form itself together into some process of evolution that over millions and billions and trillions and kajillions of years of time that have somehow ended up as individuals in these seats. 
with the capability to think and to love and to, to harm one another and to eat. See, the world and Satan would have you think that God had nothing to do with that, that he isn't really the creator. But Scripture makes clear that in the beginning, God created. God was never created. In fact, his name, I am, in the Old Testament just means I exist. And I give existence to all other things. God created you. In the beginning, he formed Adam and he, from his rib, formed Eve. When the scripture says that he created the world, it says he, he spoke it into existence. Let there be light. Bam, there's light. It talks about how by his hands he formed things. God created. But you can't just say it's just God undefined. This told us that Jesus created all things. And this isn't the only place. In John chapter 1, it says clearly that by Jesus, all things were made that have been made. You look around, anything that's made, made by Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, we know that the things created were created not from things that are seen, but things that are unseen, that God created those things. And in Hebrews chapter one, it makes clear that that was by Jesus, that he was the one who created all things. So when the father said. It's time to create, how did he do it? By Jesus. Jesus was the one who created. He wasn't just a human being for 33 years, and that was Jesus. But rather, he's God. He had always existed. And when it came to have other things exist, it was Jesus who was the one who created. And we were told in that scripture in Colossians chapter one, that it wasn't just that he created trees over here and and a sky over there and people over here. But this said. That in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus. So Jesus not only created the things that you and I can see that have color and texture, but the things that you cannot see. And he went specific and said, thrones, authorities, powers, rulers, Jesus made Satan. Jesus made demons. He made angels. He made cherubim. Why would Jesus make a Satan? He didn't make Satan as he currently is. You know what the scripture says about Satan? That Satan was actually a cherub. He was given as he was created beauty and glory from God. What he was given was authority and responsibility. The cherubs were the ones right around the throne of Jesus, right around the throne. Who were like his entourage. And Satan was one of those. But the scripture says that as Satan had been given that job, he was given authority that he took all of his beauty. He took all of his authority and he looked at Jesus and said, I want his place. He misused his authority. He misused his beauty. The scripture says that Jesus took Satan and cast him out of heaven. And as Satan went, he took a third of the angels with him. Those angels are demons. When you think of demons, those are angels that have said we are defying our creator. We are going off with Satan. That's what demons are. And so Jesus created all of those things. It's just that those beings, Satan and his followers, were there and said, we don't want Jesus. But Jesus made them. He made 
all authorities, all rulers, all dominions, the ones that you can see. In fact, Jesus says that he's put the ones that we can see in authority. Donald Trump, whether you voted for him or not, he's in that place of authority. He has authority from Jesus. Kim Jong-un over in North Korea, it's from Jesus. Your boss that you like or don't like, it's from Jesus. Your mom or your dad, you like him or not, it's from Jesus. The question is this, when somebody is given authority, they've been created and they're given authority, the question is, how are they stewarding that authority? Jesus didn't create them to steward it badly. It's just that in that responsibility, they decided, I'm not going to use it for Jesus. I'm going to use it for my own sake, my own devices. So Satan did it. Rulers do it all the time. Parents mess up and do it all the time. And that's what happened with Satan. But the scripture says this, that Jesus made them. And I take comfort in that, not because I love thinking about Satan. And I don't love thinking about demons. Those things kind of freak me out, to be honest with you, especially when the lights are down or around a campfire. Okay? But man, when you know that Satan's after you, when you know that you're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but you're wrestling against a, a, a ferocious, demonic lion named Satan. Isn't it nice to know that you were held in the hand of the shepherd who created them? Isn't it good to know that that when demonic forces are pressing against you and trying to get you to go the wrong way, trying to get you to go towards sin and towards death, towards the ways of the world. And they're pressing on you. Isn't it nice to know that you can go into the throne room of the one who created them and say, please, I need your help. I need your help. In fact, back to Ephesians, when it said you're wrestling against these things, the verse just before this said this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The one who created the devil knows the schemes of the devil. And so he says, let me give you my armor. That armor is things like scripture, faith, prayer. He wants you to be close into the one who made them because he can defeat them. In fact, he has later on in the book of Colossians chapter two, it says this. That after he took your record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. So he saved you by taking care of your sin. And then he says this, and he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him or in his cross. So Jesus not only went to take care of your sin, he now comes back to you and says, look what I did by the cross. I defeated Satan. It's over for them. And he gives us that knowledge so that we can take confidence in him. There is nothing that can stand against you if you are with Jesus. Nothing. Some people crumble at temptation saying, there's no way I can stand up. This Satan is just too much on me. If you're with Jesus, you can. If too much is on you with the world, you just think, oh, man, that's just I'm not even doing anything wrong. But so much is coming. Every day. I think I think Satan's on me. I think demons are on me. You know what? You don't have to be there alone. We often quote Psalm 23. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The one who created them is with you it's a beautiful thing 
that he would defend and save you from that sin and death, but also that he would be against the foes of darkness. But we must go to this last thing where he says, he's not doing all this because it's about you. There's a lie that goes forth that says God created the world for you. In fact, I was in a Christian library and picked up a so-called Christian book and it said this, the world was created for you. That's wrong. That should not be in a Christian library. This passage said that all things were created by him and for him. This is Jesus's world. He is the creator and all things that are done in it, by it, are all for him. It's all for him. And somehow we are able to turn the scope of things to all make it about us. We are living in a world that is determined right now by entertainment. It really is. In fact, Katie and I were talking about the word entertainment yesterday. You drop the NT off of that word and what do you got? Entertain me. That's what it means. What can I do to just be better? Where do I put myself in a better place? Because at the end of the day, you are making decisions for yourself. Admit it. We have to. God says, admit it. You have been living for yourself. That's why you got in the problem that you're in. That's why you are so empty and lonely and constantly searching for something to fill your need, to something to entertain you more. Because you think it's about you. Our whole world is revolving right now about you, you, you. No, it's about him. It's about him. I used to have a friend. Sometimes we would go down and we would play wiffle ball. Um, This is a simple game like baseball. It has a plastic bat and a plastic ball. And we'd play these epic games. And sometimes we would get in these arguments. You know how it goes when you're playing sports and, no, I got you out. No, I'm not out. No, I got you out. No, I'm not out. You know how it goes. And, and I had this one friend, Daniel. And, and in the midst of these arguments, you know, I'd be arguing, I wasn't out. He'd say, no, you're out. And I, no, I was not. And I'd state my case why I wasn't out. And he, he would just kind of sit back and say, whatever, it's your world. And we're all living in it. You know, that was his come. And he'd say that to me. Oh, it's your world. We're all living in it. And I know he was joking about me. But isn't that when you're actually trying to get your way? It's my world and you're all just living in it. I'm just trying to make myself better, (laughs) you know. I would get stung because I was like, you know, he's being mean. But the reality was it was probably more than likely true. Certainly I wasn't out. But certainly, probably more certainly, I wanted my way. I wanted to be the victor. I wanted to have the championship belt. It was about me. The reality is, it's not your world, and we're not all living in it. It's not my world, and you're not all living in it. It is Christ's world, and we are all living in it. It's all about Jesus. And there's there's something that's scary in that, saying, like, well, if it's all his and it's all about him, then I have to take it all up and give it back to him. Then what's left for me? What is left for me? Everything that you could hope for. You should want to hope for. I want to read out of the book of Psalm, chapter 102. In that psalm, it talks about how Jesus laid the foundation of the earth, the works, the heavens are the work of his handiwork, uh, the works of his hands. 
But it says this in Psalm 102, verse 18. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So this he's saying, I want to tell you something. Let me write this down so it doesn't go unknown, because more people who are still being created need to hear this. That's us. We needed to hear this. So let's listen to what is being told to us about the one who created uh, created us. It says that that he looked down from his holy height. From heaven, the Lord looked at the earth. So I just I just want you to pause for a moment and get that. Here's the one who's created all things. He's created heaven. He's created earth. He's created powers and principalities. Some of them have gone bad. Some of them are still aligning with him. But here's his world. He's he's looking out over it. And I just want you to imagine God looking over this world from where he sits because it's his world. He's in control, says God's in his throne. He's he's looking over this world. Viewing everything. He can look at anything he wants. He, He can look at it right and sees exactly how it is. And that's where I love this next verse. In all that it could be about him, it is about him. In the midst of that, he still looks down, and it says in verse 20, to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord, and in Jerusalem his praise, when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. It says that when God, who had created all things and is over all things, looked down on the earth, he could see anything and do anything that he wants. When he looks down, what did he see? He saw prisoners who were groaning. Why do prisoners groan? Except they are destined just to rot in that prison. Scripture says that we, in our sin and head towards us, we're prisoners. We're just going to live out our days and rot and then end up in a lake of fire. God looked at that and he saw the view. And when he looked down at his creator, he, he heard the groans of the prisoners. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves from sin and death or this enemy of the devil. And it says that when God looked down on his prisoners, what did he want to do? To set free those who were doomed to die. Love that. And it says he came down and we know from the rest of scripture that he came down physically took on flesh and blood that god was man and jesus christ went about on this world doing what he did not as a spectacle but because he had seen the prisoners he had seen you and he said i love them i want to rescue them they are doomed to die but i don't want those prisoners to die and so i will die in their place god became the sacrifice God died on that tree and he bled out so that with that blood, he could come back and say, I do not want you to die. I am clearing your record of debts. I'm redeeming you from slavery and from that prison. I'm bringing you to myself. And do you know what happens when prisoners are set free and they recognize the one who saved them is so good and beautiful. He's in control of all things. Then they go to his presence when they can and they say, thank you. I was going to die. I was lonely. I was afraid. I was being trounced on by the devil. Sin was at my door. I could not get rid of temptation. There was nothing I could do. But you saved me. Thank you, God. I praise you, God. I want to be with you. I can't stand to be without you. I love you. You are over all things. And I can't believe that you took time out from where you were in your loft to come down and rescue a prisoner such as me.
all things were created by him, through him, and for him. How dare we then go into his presence and say, where's mine? No, but when you're in Christ, you recognize that's the best thing is to recognize that it is all for him. And there's a day coming when we will join together with those angels that we can't see right now all the time. And we're going to join up with people who have passed away and maybe people who are yet to be born, but they have called upon the name of Jesus. And it says that one day in the midst of that great multitude, our eyes will be on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We will look upon the lamb who was slayed, who created all the world and then came down and rescued you from your dungeon and your sin and your death and pulled you into his kingdom. And you'll stand there with the rest of that multitude and you will look as creatures upon the one who is the creator. And you'll say, he saved me. It is all about him. It is all about him. When you recognize that it's all about him. It is all about him in the past. And it will be all about him in the future. It is not our world. It is his world when you're, we are living in it. When you recognize that. Let me tell you, when you are in the present and you're running away from a fierce enemy suddenly you can stop and you can stand in the full armor of the creator God and say, no, I am his. And I stand here in the word of God and I stand here in the prayer and I stand here in the spirit and I stand here in his armor. I stand here in his love and I stand here because it's all about him. And so I resist you, Satan. I flee from your temptations. I cling to. Jesus. And it's no longer just a textbook of knowing things about Jesus. It's belonging to him. And in belonging to him, saying it's all about him. And you will never, ever, ever experience the full fullness of peace and joy of God until your heart is completely turned over in submission and saying, This world is not about entertaining me. It's not about me somehow making sure other people are entertained. It's so that whatever the Lord has us doing every day, that it would be all about Jesus. There's a day coming, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul is talking about the resurrection. I want to tell you, I want to show you what it says concerning how things are going to look at the end. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 says, then comes the end. When Jesus delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies Under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. What that says is that at the end. Jesus, having defeated Satan, sin, death and all other enemies, including human beings who have not subjected themselves to Jesus for salvation. Jesus will collect all them and he will bring them all and like a pile of. Refuse. 
return them to the Father and say, I have defeated them all. And it says that there will be a footstool under his feet. That he could kick his feet up there like the king on his throne and put his feet upon his enemies and say, I won. I don't know about you, but just like I talked about in Wiffle Ball, I like to win. And I know this victory is not about me, but I know this. That in the course of everything that is true regarding history and what will come. I really want to be on the side of the victor. I don't want to be on the side of the defeated. I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to be in that pile where he's resting his feet. I want to be with Jesus. Isn't that like the song that they sang? I I, want to be my place of dwelling for forever. That mansion, put it next to Jesus. I don't I don't even really care who's around me. I just want to make sure I'm next to Jesus. Why? Because he's the victor. And that'll be for all of eternity. But that is not something also just to say, ah, that day will come. Today, walk in the victory of Christ, not getting to do what you want to do, but saying, I'm going with the victor king. I'm going to be with Jesus. And the creator. Is more powerful than any demon. It's more powerful than any devil. He's more powerful than any temptation you are coming up against. He's more powerful than any thing in your life which is coming against you and he promises that there's victory in jesus so stand in the presence of god the creator god jesus and trust yourself to him today if you have not in your life come to a point of salvation with the lord Scripture says there's coming a day when he'll return and that's that's curtain closed. You don't get another chance. That on this side of eternity that Jesus is giving opportunities to human beings like you and I to see the truth of what we've just talked about. And that Jesus looked at you as a prisoner and he he sacrificed himself for you. And he wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be bought out of slavery by his blood. And to save you. And the only thing keeping you from being saved is your resistance. Saying, I don't want you, Jesus. I don't want your salvation. I don't want you as king. And you in that moment saying, I don't want you, is the same thing that Satan said when he said, I don't want you on that throne. You're just walking in the footsteps of Satan. But if in hearing that gospel, that good news, you've said, you know what? I I need to submit. I I. I want to be saved. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to just be lost under the world and under the devices of the devil. I want to be with Jesus. I want to be saved. If, if the Holy Spirit is calling and, 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 and working in your heart today, then don't resist him. And come before your creator God today and say, save me. You've made me who I am. Would you save me for eternity? Would you cover my sin and rescue this prisoner? Draw me close to yourself. So I'm going to pray right now. And if you know Jesus, you've known him, you've been walking with him, you're a believer, then this is an opportunity to say, Lord, rescue me from any devices that maybe Satan, demons, or myself, the world has put in my way. And 
call me unto your goodness. You're so powerful as creator and, and draw near to God. But if you don't know Jesus and today is the day that you want to say, Lord, save me. And don't wait another minute. Don't go look into anything else to save you. Don't don't wait for one more moment. Call upon the Lord to be saved today. Father, we come to you. We're grateful that you have not left us to be stolen away into eternity, lost, dragged out of here by a, a cruel and scheming enemy and dragged into the pit of hell. But rather, you looked upon us who were pitiful and in our sin and headed towards death. You looked upon us when we were helpless and you helped us. You sent your son in the flesh to die for us and to redeem us and to pull us into your family and to pull us into your kingdom and to set us into eternity with life. And so we're grateful for your goodness and for your love for us. And Lord, we, we pray that we would not look at that truth and be thankful for today and then leave in the rest of our days. <clears throat> wish and seek just to please ourselves or to think that we're powerless against Satan and his dominion, but rather in Christ, we are able to resist that you have given us your armor to wear. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make it a. A persistent daily desire of ours to be dressed in the armor of Jesus. Secure in who he is. And knowing that we are living for him, that we've been created for him. Now, Father, as well, I pray for anyone who in this moment might seek to call upon your name for salvation. This morning, if they feel. The conviction of their sin and you are granting them repentance, Lord, to turn away from that sin and to turn to Jesus. Lord, may their, may their cry for help out of their prison cell this morning, be one that reaches your ears. And would you extend your mercy and your grace deep into that prison cell? And would you save them today? Lord, we ask that you would help us as we leave this place, Lord, that we would not be, we would not succumb to the misinformation, the lies and the deception of the world that would try to cause us to not believe in you, not even acknowledge that you created. And then not also to acknowledge that you would desire to save us. But Lord, we pray that you would hold us fast to your word. And in this fellowship, Lord, that we would seek to know exactly who you are and what you've done for us. And that we might pass that on to future generations. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.